Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. This is Liz Southern, Child Development Consultant with the Braille Institute. Tonight's topic is cortical visual impairment. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. And tonight we have a very special guest, Dr. Diane Christian. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. And sorry about the technical difficulties at the top. So tonight's topic um, is cortical visual impairment, or CVI. Sometimes you'll I mean, you may hear is now joining. Sometimes you may hear it called cerebral visual impairment, um, and I want to talk. And some people use them interchangeably. To that, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But right now, I'm going to just be talking about CBI globally uh, for either cortical or cerebral. So, CBI is a brain based visual impairment. It's caused by damage to the visual pathways or visual processing areas of the brain. And children struggle with visual attention, visual recognition, resulting in a lack of access for understanding the world around them. So, really, CBI is neurological. And um, it's injury to the brain and, and interferes with um, visual pathways and visual processing centers. And it's not the eye. So many kids with CVI um, have healthy eyes and there's nothing wrong with them. And, but it's the brain not interpreting what the eyes are seeing. I often hear, it's sometimes confusing for parents because I'll often hear parents say, well, the doctor says that their eyes are fine but they're still blind, and they have a hard time understanding this. And again, it's with CBI, it's really the brain not interpreting what the eyes are seeing in a useful way. Um, CBI is a type of visual impairment, and children with CBI are eligible for vision services, usually through the school district. So what are some of the causes of CBI? Um, a lot of this usually happens at birth, but it can happen when the child is older. Um, usually traumatic brain injury um, due to maybe shaken um, baby syndrome or accidental head injury, um, neonatal um, hypoglycemia, infections of the central nervous system like meningitis or encephalitis, metabolic disorders, hydrocephalus, brain malformations or syndromes, near drowning, seizures, and other type of metabolic or neurodegenerative diseases. And also just to note that if your child has one of these conditions, it doesn't mean that they have a CBI, so they should be evaluated. So who makes the diagnosis of CBI? Well, it's usually either a pediatric ophthalmologist or an optometrist, but they always usually get input from other professionals, such as teachers, therapists, and others who work with the child. So um, with CVI, it is one of the most common causes of visual impairment in children. Um, it causes children to display some unique visual behaviors commonly seen when there is damage to the brain's visual system. And it's typically diagnosed when um, abnormal vision responses can't be attributed to just the eyes. And it's really important that... Um, Kiddos with CVI may also have vision issues, so it's really important to have their um, their eyes checked out to make sure that there's nothing else going on 
or if your child needs glasses that they're prescribed. Um, because sometimes, you know, with having a, a visual impairment along with CPI really can complicate um, how your child, child is accessing the world. So every child is different and they see the world a little differently. And for children who have CBI, the world is very overwhelming. And there's just so much to process, and they struggle to understand what they see. Um, one way I've heard of um, CBI being described is imagine that you're in a sports stadium, packed full of people, and you know that your mom is somewhere in that stadium. And you look and you look and you look, but you cannot see her among the thousands of faces. You can see all the faces, but you, it's just too much and too complex for you to locate just a specific person. But imagine if you darkened the stadium and you put a light on your mom, and then you'd be really um, be able to readily find her. So it's kind of like making things a little bit less complex so that um, your child can see the world or find the things that they need to find. Another example is, um, I think... A lot of us may know the Finding Waldo books. You're supposed to find Waldo in um, a really busy picture. And there's just so much stuff, and it's so hard to focus, and it's really hard to find him. And this is, again, how it is for kids with CVI. There's just too much to process. And when that happens, they kind of just shut down. They may avoid looking at other objects or um, the people around them. They may stare at lights. Or appear, they may appear just visually impaired. They do not want to see the objects or people in their world. And, they might, and because of this, they might struggle to recognize those objects or people. Because sometimes faces and stuff are just too complex to understand. Um, sometimes kiddos with CBI look at objects, but they lack understanding of what they see. And, for, um, and again, just as a quick reminder, if you guys can mute your phones, um, that would be great. Um, so going back, so kids with CBI sometimes can look at objects, but they have no idea what they're seeing. And because of that, they may appear to have learning disabilities or difficulties, or they may become anxious and really, um, in the environment. And sometimes this could cause to meltdowns because they're tired, they're just overloaded. And, so, and they just they need a break. And with all of this, um, sometimes CBI is sometimes misdiagnosed with other conditions, including autism and other learning disabilities. Um, however, CBI is own diagnosis. Um, unfortunately, there's not a known cure, um, but once accurately diagnosed and with strategic intervention, your child might improve um, their visual attention and visual processing with practice and patience. A lot of times, CBI is often one part of your a child's complex diagnosis, and, it's, uh, and a lot of times, it's commonly found in kids with other types of brain involvement, such as um, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, autism, just to name a few. So with kids, um, kids with CBI, they tend to display some um, specific visual behaviors. Um, your child might display some or all these tendencies. Um, but knowing about these CBI behaviors, it makes it easier for us to respond to them. 
So here there are a couple of, there's a quite a list of different CBI characteristics. The first one is appearance of the eyes. This is where if the eyes are aligned or not, you know, if they're, if they're working together, if the eyes are pointed straight, or is one um, turn in or turn out. Another thing it may be is the movement of the eyes. Can the eyes move in all directions? Can they look up, you know, side to side? Another um, CBI behavior is visual attention. Can they look at something and sustain a gaze for something and to kind of really understand what they're looking at? Um, so can a child, you know, pay attention to an object to understand what it is that they're looking at? And then, you know, things that may play into this, if it's too cluttered of a background or there's too much going on, it may affect how long your child could attend to something. Another pro um, problem that kiddos with TBI have is looking at people. Um, faces are very complex, and it's really hard to look at faces for kids with TBI, and it's hard for them to read um, you know, facial, you know, do facial recognition or to understand facial expressions. And so a lot of times kids with CBI may not even look at the parents or look at people and avoid eye contact altogether. And that makes it really hard, especially for parents who are trying to bond with their child. And by knowing that, um, our understanding that a child with CBI has difficulty making, contact, uh, making eye contact, I think um, it helps the parents by knowing this. That it's not something that they're doing. It just really, it's a symptom of this um, CVI. Um, another one is response interval. And this is a degree of delay in your child knowing that something's there. Um, sometimes they call it latency. But sometimes kids with CVI just really... Um, need to have that object presented for quite a while before they even know that it's there, let alone to recognize what it is. So give your kids with CDI time to look at stuff and to process that stuff. If you move it too quickly, it, it's going to be out of sight, out of mind, and they're going to forget all about it. Another characteristic of CDI is like visual guided reach. Are they able to look at something and reach for it in um, a single motion? Sometimes kids with CVI can't look and reach at the same time. It's too hard to process both of those different skills. So sometimes what they'll do is they'll look at it, look away, and then grab it. Because, again, this, the, um, the competing skills of looking and grabbing may be too much for the child. Another thing is um, whether or not they're um, being able to walk correctly. Um, are they finding curves and, ste and um, steps and stuff like that? So using their lower limbs, that's in the, uh, how well they can use their lower limbs is another um, concern with kids with CBI. Other things for C kids with CBI is sensory integration. Um, is there a lot of is there a lot going on? while they're trying to use something? Is there competing information? So, for example, um, a child with CVI can't listen and look at the same time. 
So if you're trying to show your child something and the TV is going on in the background and the dogs are barking and your their siblings are running around, a child may have a hard time attending to the object that you want them to look at because there's just too much noise going on, too many things moving around. And it really makes it hard for the child to focus on what they're supposed to be doing. Um, another thing that's impacted is visual fields. So usually um, for visual, um, visual fields, we can look up, down, and side to side and see things that are around us. Kiddos with visual impairments may only see in or with CVI may only see in one visual field. Maybe they only can see things that are to the left. Maybe they can see things only to the right um, or upper or lower. Usually lower is very problematic for kids with CBI. Um, they have a hard time seeing things like by their feet, which really makes it um, mobility really difficult for them. You know, finding those curves and steps and stuff like that. Um, other things um, that CBI, kids with CBI um, impact their visual functioning is whether or not things have to be in motion. Um, sometimes you have to move things in order um, to gain a child's attention. Um, if you're trying to show them a toy and they don't seem to be looking at it very well, if you shake it or move it a little bit, that might help um, the child attend to it and see what you're presenting to them. Um, the other thing that we kind of talked about a little bit is um, spacing or object arrangement or clutter. If there's too much stuff going on in the background, the child may not be able to see it. And this goes right back to the Finding Waldo um, you know, book. Sometimes there's just too much going on and it's really hard for a child with CBI to be able to find it and to pick something out. So what, what we do is we... Um, we reduce the clutter however we can. We may put the object on a very, you know, a plain background or a black background and use an object that's fairly um, brightly colored with high contrast so that it's easier to see. Sometimes if a child is working on a worksheet and they're having a hard time focusing on the problems because maybe there's a cartoon on it, what you could do is maybe take some post-its and cover up pieces that aren't necessary to do the problem. And that way the child is focusing just on the problem that they need. Um, so for me, I always tell parents that if the child cannot see something, how can you simplify the environment to help them see it better? Can you highlight it so that they'll see it better? Um, other problems for kids with CDI is understanding what things are. Um, for, or they call it form accessibility sometimes. So if you show um, a child a duck, a picture of a duck, do they really understand that's a representation of an actual duck, a real duck? So being able to know what an object is and then be able to understand the symbolism of it. It could be a little plastic duck or a picture, uh, a colored picture of a duck, or it could be a black and white picture of a duck. 
do they all, I mean, does a child with CPI really understand that the different um, objects are representing a duck? Um, sometimes kiddos with CBI are really impacted by color. They may be only able to see one color, maybe red or maybe yellow. Um, usually really high, brightly um, saturated colors are easier for them to see. And um, they can only see that color and they kind of get stuck with that. So um, you may have to use it in order to highlight things for the child. Um, you may need to present things that are um, a particular color to help improve visual functioning and for your child to see it. Sometimes what we do is um, if you're feeding a child, maybe use if the child likes red, use a solid red spoon and to feed the child or put red electrical tape around the bottle. That way it helps the child identify what you want to do or what is um, being placed in front of them. It just kind of highlights what the object is. It helps them attend to it and helps them see it. Sometimes kiddos with CBI are impacted by light. Um, having light um, to highlight things is really helpful. Um, going back to the stadium um, example that I was talking about earlier, when we shine a light on mom, it was a lot easier to see her, especially if the um, if the stadium was dark. So by using light to highlight things that we're trying to show kiddos with CBI, this gives it a little bit more um, clarity to the kids, to the child, so that they know what they're looking at. It just helps them see it. It helps attract their attention so that they're visually attending to it and getting the chance to figure out what they're looking at. Um, children with CBI also have problems identifying things, knowing that certain features make up an object, like eyes, nose, and a mouth make up a face. Um, they may just kind of focus on one thing and not the whole thing in order to identify um, objects. So it's really kind of important for your child to start to know everything that... Um, everything that is used to make up an object. And the other thing with kids with CBI is that um, sometimes they don't show a lot of visual curiosity or they don't like things that are new. And so they don't go and explore their world because they're just not motivated to do it. So anything that we can do to help with visual curiosity and to get the, to look at them that things are novel um, is really helpful for them. Um, and one thing with the visual curiosity, and, and this is in general for kids with just visual impairment, vision is a very a big motivator for kids to explore their environment. And without vision, there's nothing motivating them. So we, we as parents or um, early interventionists or teachers need to help kids ex understand their world and give them motivation to explore it. Give them cool things to feel, textures, um, and help them be motivated to look what's around them. And again, you know, because of the visual behaviors of kids with CVI, they can affect your child socially. Uh, they may not recognize people. And it's really not because they're ignoring them. 
it's just that they're struggling to recognize people and understand who that person is. Um, again, they may have problems responding to facial expressions, and so they may not realize that somebody's sad or happy, and they may not um, respond appropriately to that. Um, and so we just, in order to keep this stuff in mind um, as we watch our children grow. So um, people often know that, you know, that their child has certain difficulties, um, and so... You know, having collaborative assessments of CBI can help parents understand what their child is in terms of the CBI um, characteristics and how to work around them. So I want to go ahead and talk a little bit um, about the different counts um, between cerebral and cortical. Um, Dr. Gordon Dutton and his colleagues call it cerebral visual impairment. And they really talk about how damage to the different parts of the brain will lead to different concerns. Um, and so, for example, some parts of the brain are where you remember faces, where other parts of the brain may be where you recognize shapes and objects. And again, other parts may hold visual memories. And all these parts of the brain work together for us to understand our world. So if there's a deficit in any one of those areas, it can impact a child with CBI. Um, specific behaviors could be mobility, reading, and stuff like that. And he gives specific intervention to help intervention, I'm sorry, to help with those particular concerns. Um, Dr. Christine Roman Lancey um, has a slightly different approach and she calls her um, she calls it cortical visual impairment. Um, she really kind of focuses more on the um, cortical cortex and for her um, in order for a child to have CVI, um, the child um, has to have an eye condition that can um, that cannot explain the vision loss. So there's no eye condition that explains why the child can't see things. Um, there's some sort of history of a neurological um, condition or incident, and the child does demonstrate um, certain CVI characteristics. And what she does is she focuses and on 10 of the ones that we kind of just talked about. Um, she has a formal assessment, um, which is kind of nice because it, it gives you a number so that you can um, see how your, your child is progressing um, with their CBI behaviors. Um, for her, she, range, um, she rates um, CBI on a scale between 0 and 10. And it's done through parent interview, observation, and direct assessment. And for each of the 10 um, characteristics, and I'll go over them again in a few seconds, um, each characteristic is scaled on a zero between zero and one. Zero is that characteristic is completely interfering with visual functioning. And one where the character is not interfering in visual functioning or the child is... Um, exhibiting typical behavior. And then, um, so you're really getting a scale between 0 and 10. The characteristics that um, Christine Lohman um, uses is one, color preference. Um, kids have a specific color that they just really focus on. 
Um, a lot of times it's usually bright red or bright yellow. And um, whereas other kids prefer blue, green, or pink. And if you're really trying to get a child to look at something, you may want to use their preferred color. And the hope is, is as they go through, um, as their CBI behaviors are lessening or interfering less in visual functioning, it doesn't matter what the color is. It could be any color in the child will all tend to it. Um, another number two in terms of characteristics for um, Christine Roman is the need for movement. Um, kids who um, whose visual functioning is being interfered with by CBI characteristics a lot, but many times they need movement in order to see an object. It could be a pinwheel, a balloon, or um, a lot of times we use pom-poms. Um, because they they shake and it's just easier for a child to attend to. So usually, I what I you know suggest is usually if you're presenting something to a child, try not to move it at first. But if the child doesn't seem to look at it, go ahead and shake it and see if they attend to that and whether or not that helps. Another um, one, um, Christine Roman's CBI characteristics is visual latency, or again, this is a de- delay of looking at a particular object. And it may take uh, a child a pretty long time to look at an object. So usually what we tell parents is, you know, when you're presenting something to a child with CBI, count to 10. You know, just be patient, count to 10, and give them a chance, give your child a chance to see what they're looking at and to notice that it's there. And this is really hard to do um, because we want to move it. And the other thing we tell them is don't talk. Um, Just let the child attend to the object without other things going on. And it's a really hard thing for parents to do. The other thing is is that we um, sometimes, once the child sees the object, and we may have want to move it side to side to see if the child tracks, make sure you go slow. Um, because if you go too fast, the child's going to lose it, and it's going to be out of sight, out of mind. So if you're practicing tracking skills with your child, when you present the object, make sure to give them time to look at it, and then if you're going to move it, move it slowly. And, you know, as your child picks up on it, then you may be able to move it a little bit faster um, in time. Um, another... Um, characteristic, CBI characteristic that Christine Wellman focuses on is visual uh, field preference. Um, again, kids usually will look in a particular um, direction for an object. They have a favored field, um, so you may want to present things there in that favored field if you want a child to look at it. If you want kids to look at um, look in a field that they don't like to look at, use a favorite toy present it in the field that they don't like and just keep it there for 10 seconds and see if they can find it. A little bit longer if you're patient enough. Um, and, and again, with um, Christine Roman, visual complexity is a big thing for her. So kids, with when CBI is really interfering with visual functioning, you want to simplify things, make it as simple as possible. It could be 
you are darkening the room and lighting things up with a flashlight. You could be presenting a favorite um, colored item against a very black background or a black background that's playing with nothing else going on. Um, you know, just making things as easy as possible for a child to like or to see it. And hopefully with practice, you may be able to change the background up a little bit. Maybe put a slight pattern on it and then make it a little bit more complex and then maybe a little bit more complex and seeing if your child can identify the object among the crowded black background. Um, again, faces in terms of other complexity issues will be faces. Again, faces are really complex because there's a lot of things going on. If there's a lot of things going on in the background, that will interfere with kids understanding what they're looking at or being able to focus in on what they're looking at in, in order to understand or access the world. As a kid, um, sometimes kids with CDI often do light gazing or non-purposeful gaze. Um, you'll just see that a child will look up to the lights and just kind of stare. Um, it's Sometimes kind of maybe a timeout for them where it maybe it's just too stimulating, they're tired, um, and they're just kind of done. So they kind of give themselves a break by just looking at the light and just kind of um, tuning everything else out. Um, another pro um, character, um, characteristic that the pro uh, child with CVI has is distance with, um, is, I'm sorry, difficulty with distance. Children with CVI have problems seeing things far away. Things need to be up close um, in order for them to see them or to notice them. And um, so for kids where CVI is really impacting their visual functioning, you really want to present things between uh, probably like around 12 to 18 inches, um, nothing further from that, because if once you get further away, it gets lost to them, and they can't find it. Um, think of, you know, um, and then plus, usually, the further things are, the busier, it, there tends to be a busier background. And so you're really, um, you know, want to have things close up so the child can see it easier. And then sometimes what we do also is we, if you're trying to work on, you know, distance viewing, Put a black background behind the object that you're showing them. So I, for example, have a tray, a black tray, like you get at a fast food restaurant um, that I use as a background because it really highlights the item. And then if I move the object further away, it's not getting lost in the background of like maybe a high chair or the couch or the TV. And it's really kind of helping the, ob uh, the you know, object stand out so that you're able to work on distance and not on complexity at the same time. Um, kids with CDI, um, sometimes they have atypical visual reflexes. Um, they will not um, blink if you touch their forehead or if you have, um, have your hand coming at them fast. Um, they won't, sometimes they won't blink. They won't have a defensive um, reaction to it, to the threat. Um, that's something that you can't, um, you know, really teach your kid. But as they progress 
and resolve their CVI characteristics, you'll see that they'll have consistent reflex or consistent responses to visual reflexes. Another thing for kiddos with CVI, they have a lot of problems with difficulty with novelty. If you present um, an object that is new, they may just ignore it because it's just too much for them to understand, to process. So they may have to be you may have to present things several times for them to get used to it and kind of understand what it is. So if at first they tend not to look at it, um, try not to think of it that they're just not interested in the toy, but it could be that they just don't understand what it is. So give them time and repeat what you're doing in order for them to get used to the object. The last characteristic that Christine Roman um, talks about and um, uses as part of her assessment is a visually guided reach. Can a child look at something and grab it um, in one fluid motion? Is there latency? Is it, um, like I mentioned earlier, is a child looking away before they reach for it? Um, so we're hoping that, you know, as the CBI characteristics result, that look and reach is going to be done in one fluid motion. Um, and then there's different things, you know, in order to kind of help with that. So, again, each of those 10 characteristics are rated on a scale between 0 and 1, and then they're added up um, for a, comp um, a composite score between 0 and 10. And then Christine Roman basically um, breaks up that 0 to 10 um, in different phases. So from 0 to 3, she calls that phase 1. And basically, it's building visual behavior. So this is at the, um, you know, the low end of the spectrum for her. Kids at this one are just really understanding that they can see things, kind of start understanding that there's something in front of them. They're really kind of building those visual behaviors. We're getting children to look at something. Usually in phase one, um, the child has a favorite color. Um, the object may need um, items that move or shiny things to attract attention. Um, there's no reaction to um, visual threat. Um, the child may fixate um, to lights or ceiling fans or other types of moving objects. They only see things in, like, one peripheral field. They have to have things within two feet. They rarely look at faces, and they will only look at things that are familiar or a favorite toy. And a lot of times, these kids take a long time to look at things. So put, you, know, you have to be really patient and a lot of repetition. Um, for kiddos in phase two, that's really kind of integrating vision with function. And on the scale between zero and ten, it ranges between like three and seven. During phase two, objects can be two to three colors. Um, children can start to look at patterns. It's not um, quite as difficult. Not as difficult. Um, light does not always distract them. 
um, so we can kind of look at things without getting overwhelmed and then and then going back to a light source. Um, children, their latency um, decreases. Um, it may take them a little bit of time to look at things, but it's only really when they're tired or sick. Um, movement definitely helps draw attention, but once they're there, they can probably look at things. Some noise in the room can be tolerated while they're doing um, vision activities, and they will blink when you touch them between the eyes, and they can start seeing things maybe four feet away, and, you know, things don't have to be really up, up close. Um, and then the last phase is phase three, and that's really from um, seven to ten on the scoring scale. And this is really kind of where the characteristics are resolving. Um, it's starting; their vision is starting to look like typical kids. They're looking to learn and to understand what the world is and then what makes up objects. And um, you know, sometimes with kiddos with CBI in phase three, if you didn't know they had CBI, and unless you're really watching pretty carefully, you might miss it. So, um, you know, their their vision is looking more like a typical kid. For phase three, um, child looks beyond, you know, beyond 10 to 20 feet from moving items. Um the child will look at things that are not moving really near. They're looking at familiar and unfamiliar faces. They'll look at themselves in the mirror. They'll make um, eye contact with people that they don't know. Um, they will look at pages in a book or um, and really understand what they're looking at. You know, can they distinguish between... Some animals, between a cat and a dog, do they know what kind of um, features make up a cat and a dog? What are their differences? Can they make the leap that, um, a, you know, a dog, you know, has certain features and that it's represented by a toy dog or a picture of a dog, a black and white picture of a dog, a stick figure of a dog? And all those symbols represent a dog and what a dog is. Um, the child is able to in, um, imitate visual accent or actions, especially even if it's um, a distance away. They can find things at a distance. Like So if you hid things around the room, they would be able to find it. Um, they're looking at what makes up objects and able to distinguish objects based on certain features or salient features. Um, so, Christine Roman will, you know, she has different guidelines. She has two different rating skills um, that she uses to assess kids. One is, like, I'm really not going to get into the features, but one is basically, you know, within the um, CBI characteristics and the ones across. I know a lot of people will focus on her um, second rating scale, um, which really kind of measures each one of those characteristics, like I was saying, on a scale between 0 and 1, and then adding all the scores up. 
and it's really kind of handy in order to, like, especially to get a baseline, see where your child is, and then come in regularly for a reassessment to see how your child is progressing. The other thing about identifying where your child is having difficulty with the CBI's um, behaviors, you can really make targeted um, intervention goals um, for your child. Um, so if you, for example, if you're, like we were talking about complexity, if you're ha- your child's having problems with complexity, how can we, we um, make it easier for your child to, um, to see something? We um, use the background, bring things closer, cover things up, get rid of extra stuff, anything like that. And so it just kind of makes you do come up with um, specific strategies in order to help your child. Um, things to kind of, you know, um, and again, you want to, you want to have your child um, um, seen and assessed on a regular basis, and that way you can kind of keep tabs on it. Just remember, each child is different. Each child is going to go at their own pace. And um, sometimes lots of repetition and lots of patience are needed in order for your child to make um, improvements. So just be, you know, keep it up and just kind of um, hang in there. And then, like, um, people such as myself or your child's um, teacher of the visually impaired or the early interventionist, um, at the Braille Institute can all come up with strategies in, or, in order to kind of help target different things. Um, when you're talking, when you're doing things um, to stimulate your child's vision, again, a couple of things I'd like to remember, um, you know, when you're doing this, is make sure that there's not a lot going on in the room. Again, turn off the TV, put the dog in the backyard, put the kids in the other room. That way your child can really focus in on improving visual functioning and trying not to multitask at the same time. Also make sure that um, your child is well supported in a chair on the floor. If your child's trying to hold up their head and look at something, it it may not be a a really efficient use, a good way of doing visual stimulation. So imagine if I wanted you to read something, but you had to stand on one foot while you were doing it. You may be able to do it, but your attention is going to be divided, and it's going to be really hard for it's going to be harder for you to understand exactly what you're reading. So just kind of keep that in mind. So make sure your child is really fully supported, so that they can focus only on the visual, um, you know, stimulating their um, vision. Allow again, allow plenty of time. Give your kids time to process or see what they're seeing or to notice something and to process what they're seeing. And again, watch for signs of fatigue or overstimulation um, because it's just if your child isn't up to it, you know, it may not be the best time to try to do the visual stimulation. And one of the things that we um, also suggest is do a little bit throughout the day. Um, for example, you know, um, during feeding time, if your child takes a bottle or uses a fork, give them a red fork or the preferred colors. Um, that way they're able to find it easier. If they're using a bottle, uh, put red electrical tape around the bottle so that they can find the bottle easier. Or if it's a red sippy cup or something like that, 
um, make things easier for your child to find things by using preferred colors or, you know, colors that they notice. And you're just incorporating visual stimulation throughout the day, which is kind of optimal. Um, the other thing I want to say to kiddos is talk to your child. Give them information. Let them know that, you know, you're going to touch them. Let them know that you're going to move their hand. Um, tell them what you're they're looking at, you know, and give them information about the world because they may not be able to, you know, access it with their vision. Um, you know, hand them, you know, different, like a ball. This is round. It's soft or, you know, it's rough, whatever it happens to be. And then maybe compare it to other things so that your child learns what makes up objects and how they compare or differ to other objects. Um, another thing to do is when you're um, talking to people in the room and your child's there, let them know who you're talking to. You know, just kind of say their name. Um, that way they know if they're, they're supposed to respond or not. A lot of kids with visual impairments may miss a cue that you're talking directly to them and may not answer, or they may think that you're talking to them and you're not. So by just using names throughout conversations, just kind of helps them know a little bit more about what's going on in the room, who's talking and who's there. And likewise, you know, like describe things that they may hear, trucks, trains, phones, timer on the stove, anything like that, and explain to them what they are, why they're hearing it, and what they what it may mean. So again, you know, kids with visual impairments, regardless of it's CDI or anything like that, does rely on family, professionals in order to fill those gaps in that they may be missing visually. So um, I just kind of wanted to round out with some um, resources that um, are go-to for me. And I think a lot of people on this call, um, different websites, Perkins School for the Blind, I think they have a section called CBI Now, um, which has a lot of information. Um, I think Dr. Roman is on CBI um, Connect. Um, that's a place to learn more about her work. Um, CBIScotland.org um, is where a lot of um, Dr. Um, Denton Gordon's or Gordon Dutton's um, information is. And they have some really great simulations of CBI. Again, that was CBIScotland.org. And then you can always YouTube both Dr. Gordon Dutton and Christine Roman or, and search them on YouTube and you'll find tons of stuff. Other websites is Path to Literacy. has a lot of great information. Wonderbaby.org. Um, um, did I say Pat? Yeah, I did say Pat Solarcy. Um, Family Connect is a good one. Little Bear Seas. And um, the Birthify Vision Network, as well as our website, Partners for Pediatric Vision. So I want to close there and see if anybody um, has anything to add. I know the Braille Institute, early intervention staff, works a lot with kiddos with CBI. Is there anything that you guys would like to add at this time? Or any questions from parents? Thank you. I think you covered most of it. You did just such a great job covering all the different um, characteristics. I do want to let parents know that if you'd like to ask a question to unmute yourself, please press star.
star six if you have a question. And again, um, um, the staff at Partners for Pediatric Vision and the staff at the Braille um, Institute are pretty versed in CVI and um, kind of can give you an indication of where your child is on the scale or what behaviors might be impacting their visual functioning and provide um, specific strategies um, that may be um, helpful. I mean, we can talk in general if you have a specific, you know, a general question about intervention. Um, but again, reach out to your earliest interventionist or myself for more, spe um, more specifics. Do anybody else have any questions? Diane, I'm here. This is Yolanda. Hey, Yolanda. And another yes, wonderful I, resource I a, for kiddos with CVI. Yes, I have a comment also. Um, and you did a great presentation, Diane. Uh, I have a little girl, and we need to be aware that some children with CVI that have other conditions as well. I have a little girl mm -hmm. with strabismus, so she's wearing glasses, and I've been following mm -hmm. her for 22 years. She was 18 months, now she's two, uh, 24 years. So she's in India, and it's amazing. Sometimes I go to, to there to teach, but I'm sleeping with her sometimes, and just have that relationship. I can see her in different um, arenas that I won't see her if I wasn't there. And so fa something funny happens. And again, CVI, very high functioning. But when she's at home and mom comes, she tries to see her like maybe 20 feet away. She knows mm -hmm. because the boy, she goes and touch her clothes because she wants to know if she has her nine gown, she's not going to go anywhere. So she's mm -hmm. using a lot of her to get information. She's using her hair uh, hand. The same yes. when we are doing pegs, she visually locates the pegboard, but she uses her in the finger to find the hole and, and place the peg. So she's very clever to use her vision. And again, it fluctuates. Sometimes she's better than other days. Another thing that happens there, mom put a very fancy a toilet in her bedroom with noises that she didn't recognize. So mom told me she doesn't want to go to the bed, to the uh, bathroom there. So when I was there, I figured out the those noises were not, she didn't recognize them, they were loud. So yeah. I told mom, you know, this toilet bothers her because she doesn't recognize the noises. You didn't present it and tell her what was that. So after we worked on that, she was doing great. But they, these kids are amazing. I have seen so much progress in all these all these kids. Yeah. And, and good point, Yolanda. Again, it's really important to uh, make sure your child does not have um, an eye condition that can be corrected with glasses or other types of intervention. Um, and then again, again, a lot of kids with visual impairments use their hands in order to explore the world. And it's really important. It's another way for them to take into information. So let them explore. Give them everything. Tell them what they're um, touching, what they're feeling, um, because, again, that's a great way for them to understand the world. It's been a little bit harder. Um, I have a husband who's visually impaired um, with COVID and not touching things. So hopefully we can kind of get over that. But um, let your kids explore tactually. Yeah, good point, Yolanda. Thank you. And again, again, 
introducing another good point for you, what you want to say, introducing your child to new things because it's hard for them to understand it if they're not explained. Really good point. Thank you, Yolanda. Anybody else? Uh, Diane, this is Patty. Just to comment on what Yolanda said earlier about the change, um, sometimes it's really nice that when we are going to change something about the home, like a toilet or maybe curtains or something, to include the child with you when you're changing yeah. it so that they're understanding there's change and, you know, like you said, just give us the verbal description, but they're a part of that change as it's happening. Right. And the other thing is, is um, be patient because even though you had a discussion that something was going to be changed, they don't have that constant visual um, cue that it was changed. And sometimes they may forget. So just keep that in mind that even though they may know about it, they may accidentally forget about it and stumble over it. So um, just kind of keep that in mind. Good point. Very good point. Yeah, include your kid as much as you can. That way they know what to expect. They feel included because I think kids want to feel included and they want to be part of the family and they want, um, you know, to be heard. And, you know, by including them in those types of discussions is really important. Thank you, Patty. Anybody else? Well, I think it's almost 8 o'clock now. It's 7.58. Um, I thank everyone for joining. If you have any other questions um, about what I spoke with, please reach out to your um, Braille Institute Early Interventionist, or you can contact me. Um, I'm with um, Partners for Pediatric Vision, and my email is my full name. So it's dianelchristian at gmail.com. And the way you spell it is D-I-A-N-E-L-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N at gmail.com. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys and have a wonderful evening.